Hi, Melissa. Hi, Kyle. Do you know what this is? Uh, I think it <laughs> might be the 100th episode of this podcast. You would be very correct. We are at episode 100 of the Let's Talk Club Management podcast, and I'm going to be very honest with you. How did we get here? <laughs> Triple digits. I don't think when we started five years ago that we had any idea that this is where we would be. No. Now. No, not even any idea. I mean, like, no, to all of our dear listeners out there, when we started this podcast, we started this podcast on a, not a whim, but kind of, it was like, hey, we both like podcasts. That could be a fun thing to do and it would be different. Let's try it. And our fearless leader was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> and here we are. And yeah, it's been five years and really, we really couldn't have picked them like more, five more exciting years to, to podcast through. It's been a ride. That's for sure. Um, you know, we've gone through several iterations. We've, we've improved our, our sound quality and our equipment in the last hundred episodes. We went from really long episodes to micro pods during the pandemic. Um, yeah, man, it's been a lot. And frankly, I'm proud of us for this because, you know, we've, we've taken on something new. And I think that this is always a learning opportunity for us, this medium. I think that we've had so many amazing conversations. And that's when I look back at all that we've accomplished and that you know, all the conversations that we've gotten to have with some amazing folks and really to bring their voices and the voices of this industry to other members. You know, I agree. I think, you know, we always say that the podcast is like one of our favorite parts of our job, which remains to be true because it is really just, it's fun. It's fun to get to connect with so many different people and, and hear so many different stories. And, and honestly, I'm always so impressed with our guests and their knowledge and their professionalism and their enthusiasm for their jobs and what they're working on and that they're willing to share that um, with us. And I think that's so cool. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever had, a, we haven't had a guest where I'm like, oh man, that was rough. Everything we learn is like something new and different. And, and we're truly so grateful for everyone who has given of their time and talent to share with us what they're working on and spend time with us here on the podcast. So um, for our hundredth episode, we offered the, you know, how Melissa and I always joke about taking the podcast on the road. We're keeping a list of all of the places that have said we can come visit, by the way. So just, just you wait. Um, we decided for the hundredth episode to take the podcast on the road and we had a little contest um for people to submit why they should why they should be the host and our good friend and podcast super fan jeff isbell up at renaissance golf club is that correct you can correct me later <laughs> melissa what golf, is it the golf club is silent so just think oh, of it in just, it's just so renaissance renaissance golf club <laughs> um, at up up in new um up in new england 
was our lucky winner, and we were so fortunate to get to go up to his club and chat with him for a long time about everything from the club that he's at now to his history and involvement with CMAA and why he loves it so much. Um, and then we were actually able to talk to one of his team members too, our new special correspondent, wink, wink, um, about some of the fun events that they are working on and planning at Renaissance. And I'll be honest, Melissa, it was so cool to get to interview people in person, um, especially after the craziness of the last several years with the pandemic and doing a lot of our, our Zoom, our Zooming um, back and forth. But yeah, it was such a treasure to get to go up there and, and spend time together with someone who, who has been a podcast fan from the very beginning. So that was really a, a cool moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to really, to see the property and it was just an amazing experience. Absolutely. So for all of our listeners, please enjoy the next couple of interviews celebrating our 100th episode uh, with the team at Renaissance Golf Club (laughs) up in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And uh, thanks for being with us so much. It's our pleasure to put this podcast together for you. And we look forward to 100 more episodes. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. It is a lot. But you know what? I believe in us. We can do it. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, please enjoy Jeff Isbell. Hi, Jeff. Hi, ladies. (laughs) Welcome to Renaissance. (laughs) We're so happy to be here. Um, this, this is the first podcast on the road. We've joked about doing this for as long as we've had a podcast. <laughs> and it's probably the first, if not last, um, <laughs> podcast to come from Haverhill, Massachusetts. That's Absolutely. true. It's very, definitely the first one to come from Haverhill, Massachusetts. Ever. Ever. Like ever. of any podcast. Very possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the first one to come from the ballroom at your club. The ballroom at Renaissance. Yeah. So we, if, for our listeners, if you couldn't tell, we are on location for the first time. Um, we're celebrating the 100th episode of Let's Talk Club Management, and we are really excited to be joined by our good friend and podcast super fan, Jeff Isbell. Third Mike. Third Mike. Third Mike. <laughs> Our, we'll call him our honorary guest host. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll allow that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but we decided to take the show on the road to celebrate 100 episodes, and Jeff was wonderful in hosting us. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about where we are today? So, we are here at Renaissance Golf Club, as we mentioned a few times. Actually, we just go by Renaissance now okay. um, because we're more than just a golf club. Um, club was originally founded in the year 2000 um, as a golf club, and we didn't have any other amenities. We had no tennis, we had no pool, it was golf. Um, when it opened, we were selling memberships, we had just nine holes. What is now currently the back nine was the original nine. Um, and since then, we have evolved, um, and we've had a couple ownership groups, um, and we are now owned by Southworth Development. Uh, and we have 18 holes and a clubhouse. The clubhouse <laughs> was built in 2009. Um, we have a ballroom, member dining, locker room areas, soon to open a new 19th hole area with um, two full swing simulators, um, obviously a pool, tennis, short game facility, 
Um, did I mention overnight rooms? So a little bit of everything that we have, which you two are staying in tonight. Um, so you can give that Yelp review tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we're, we're getting the full Renaissance the experience. The full experience. Uh, we'll be <laughs> taking a golf lesson after this. <gasps> yes, um, please. And so our whole kind of mantra from a corporate standpoint, and certainly here at Renaissance, is we're a different kind of private club. In New England, um, a lot of older legacy clubs, amazing clubs, top 100, top 5 courses, clubs in the country. And we are a new kid on the block. You are a new kid on the block. That's true. And I, and I can say just from being here and, and visiting, it definitely feels different. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to visit a lot of clubs. And um, I think obviously each club is always unique and has its own spin on things. Um, but you can definitely tell this this feels a little bit different than than a traditional, more... I don't know, want to say established, but... Well, kind England, of what you would imagine a Yankee club yeah. in New England. So I, when I started here in January, um, came from a club about 10 miles down the road, um, North Andover Country Club, member-owned, was around for 125 years. Um, definitely every club is evolving to be a little bit more welcoming and open and changing their experience a little bit. Um, this was very different from the minute I walked in here. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not a member that's a fourth generation here. We might have two generations, but, wow. but they joined relatively around the same time <laughs> as each other. So, so it's, a different, it's a very different experience, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you've only been here for s- seven months? Yes. 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 <laughs> Almost, no, in fact... Today is my eight-month anniversary. There you go. Oh, Here we go. Congratulations. <laughs> eight months. But what is the... I don't want to say what's your favorite thing about the club, although that's a question we could absolutely ask. But what is... What do you love about being here that's different than where you were before? Jeez. Uh, the money. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's, so I'll say it's kind of... To me, the biggest change is going from a member-owned club mm-hmm. to a developer-owned club. Um, and Southworth isn't your typical developer. We're certainly not like a Troon. We're not like any of the invited or any of those larger clubs because we're small. We have five clubs in the portfolio. Um, so, so we're a little bit different than that. So that is the nice thing. I don't have those committees. I don't have the food and beverage committee, the wine committee. The, the committees are really what we as department heads and the management here develop with the help of sort of our, our corporate team that supports us in things that we do. Um, so it's nice to have some freedom to do some different things without having to run it by a whole layer of committees. Not unique to us, but unique to developer-owned clubs. I don't have a board. I have, well, I have a board of advisors that I name myself. And so one of the first things I did in my first couple of weeks, I was given a list by our member experiences director, and she said, you have to name three new people to go on. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> um, let's pick these three. Um, and we decide, we as a club decide when we meet with them. And we more, you know, we kind of tell them what's happening. Here's what the plans are. Um, and get feedback. And it's a good relationship. And, and, and the people who, who serve on this committee are, are great people. Um, but it's not committee run and driven. It's, it's what we think is best. And then our corporate team also has a, a lot of experts that give us great information too. You know, they kind of put all the tools in the toolbox and then we have to build something from what they give us. So it's a little bit different dynamic. Mm-hmm. In that sense, they're sort of our committees, but sure. um, that's been the, the best thing about it because um, I don't have 
to go to a pool committee member uh, a pool committee <laughs> meeting ever again ever again um, for, as for, for as long as I'm here yeah um, but the payback is my wife at the club that we belong to is on the pool committee so, uh, <laughs> so you live with her right, and I told her absolutely do not join the pool committee <laughs> and she so did she of course did yeah, because well, she's independent and can do whatever she wants absolutely so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know one one thing that I think is interesting about this club and like the corporate ownership instead of you know member-owned club is that you have you said you have like five clubs in the portfolio yes. is that correct? Um, and there is there reciprocity for members? Yeah, so all of our members, and that's a you know a, a tool that we use to mm-hmm. attract people. So um, you get to utilize all the other clubs like they're your own personal club. So there's not an additional fee to try, to to use there. Obviously. There's some preference that the members of their home club get, you know, kind of a tea times and those things. But you could, as a member here at Renaissance, and oftentimes they do in the winter, they go down to the Abaco Club in the Bahamas. And I'm still waiting for the opportunity to go down there as an employee. I keep every time I meet with my my bosses, uh-huh. I say, when are we going to have that meeting in the Bahamas? Yeah, we really need um, to do a site visit. <laughs> but... Um, so, you know, it's a beautiful location, um, at least via Google, um, in our website. Um, and, and that's really sort of the, the shining star of, a, sure. of our portfolio because it's a beautiful location. Everyone says the golf course is amazing. They have amazing activities. They're doing a really large-scale project down there to upgrade the amenities, and it's going to be spectacular when it's finished. Um, and we sell homes down there. Um, our Virginia property also is great, Creighton Farms. Um, it's out in, is it northwestern Virginia? Would you call that? Or is that northern Virginia? It's um, technically northern Virginia. I'd say northern Virginia, yeah. yeah. It's horse country, yes, they tell me. Although when I, I did visit there, there were, there were no horses there whatsoever. Um, but our logo has a really cool horse on it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's another gated community um, with a ton of amenities. And it's just a beautiful property that we own there. And then the one on the Cape is sort of our mothership, Willowbend. And for... Our members, that's an easy one because it's a quick, depending on the day and the time of the year, an easy drive to the sure. Cape. And they have overnight accommodations, um, golf opportunities, pool. They're near the beach. They're not on the beach. Um, and it's a beautiful property there. So there's a ton of great things. And Macahonish Dunes in Scotland. Oh, yeah. That one. And that one. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually one of the things we do as for our big men's invitational and women's, I believe. I don't know for sure. Um, they'll, the prize is you get to play a, a reciprocal club. Um, oh, this year cool. they're going to Abaco, but in the past people have gone to Macahosh Dunes. Very cool. Not many people will take the Willowbend offer on that thing because you'd much rather go to. Right, you have a destination. <laughs> right. Yeah, understood. And it's you and your spouse and your partner and their spouse, so it's a, sure. it's a great trip. Well, I mean, I'm, I, whenever we want to take this on the road, if you, if you want to... I'd be coordinate. happy if we could make this a road show. We'll, yes. go to, <laughs> we'll go to Scotland. We'll go to the Bahamas. Perfect. I mean, Virginia won't be as exciting for you. But it's still beautiful. Right. I'll be honest. Yeah. Horse country is kind of far from where... Far. In the same way that certain things around here are far in that there's traffic. Okay. <laughs> that causes it to feel far. So when you get there, it'll be like a break. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And I, and I will say, like, as corny as this, once you get through the gates at Creighton Farms, you feel like you're somewhere else. So. I think that's kind of one of the magical things about clubs, though, is that you do have that experience at a lot of different clubs that you go to where, you know, you could be driving on a residential street or a main drag somewhere and then all of a sudden you take a turn and you are in a different world well augusta national is the perfect example of that Mm -hmm. and and even on a small scale here Mm -hmm. um when you're you're kind of going through a residential 
kind of farmland community, and then all of a sudden you pull down a tree-lined street, and and, and here you are, here you are. At, at Renaissance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've had similar experiences at, um, like, some of the clubs up in Maryland that are near to us, um, and even, I mean, I feel like city clubs are kind of like that, too, they where already, you're like... You walk off a busy street. Yeah, you walk off of a busy street and you walk into a you know seemingly somewhat nondescript looking brownstone or you know older mansion style house, and you walk inside and it's like, where am I? (laughs) What is this? What is this? Well, when we pulled in today, you are experiencing beautiful weather here. You have a very full lot of activities going on at the club today. A little bit. (laughs) Uh, We kind of have you know. Everything happens here all the time, at the same time. Uh, like every other club in New England in August. So, yeah, so we have our, our kids' camp going on. I think we had 20 campers today. Um, we have a small mini golf outing for 50 people, plus it's a nice day, and it's rained every day this summer. So having a good, non-humid, sunny day um, made the tea time tea sheet full all around that. Absolutely. Um, and then we have regular member dining member usage and we have events coming up all weekend so it never stops never stops until it does (laughs) (laughs) and then all of a sudden like kind of the holidays hit and then it's the shining here for a few months so (laughs) how many members do you have here we have just over 300 300 okay just thinking i don't think we talked about that but but tracks and And i think we plan to have like in in 325 is our is our cap? Yeah. You know, would we take three fifty? Probably, but we're you know three twenty five is sure. our cap. So. And is that uh, size? I guess is that comparable to the other clubs that are in the portfolio, or is there a big size difference? Um, I think we're the small. I know we're the smallest of the bunch. Mm-hmm. I couldn't give you the numbers, but because of the housing component at Creighton sure. Farms and Willow Bend and in Abaco, there's just bigger, bigger membership sure. numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. You took us uh, on a great tour today. We kind of got to go behind the scenes. Thank you for taking us to the kitchens. As everyone knows, I love to see kitchens and laundry rooms and and, and beside that. And we actually got to go inside the food truck. So um, we didn't touch any food. Don't worry. Clean, I promise. It was was no cooking going on. It was very hot, but we were. (laughs) It was warm, but we didn't touch Um, anything. But it was was super exciting. But you have a great renovation project going on right now to add more amenities for your members. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So we're building what we're calling the boot. So um, Haverhill ha- is not unlike a lot of New England towns. It's, it's a mill town. And one of the things that they made here were actually called the Queen Slipper, um, and, which is a style of boot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually large versions of this in various colors throughout downtown Haverhill. Um, so the inspiration was to call back on that history. And so we named the space the boot um, <laughs> I love that and so um, the boot is a kind of we've taken space from both the ladies locker room and men's locker room to have a 19th hole which kind of seems regressive because a lot of clubs are doing you know getting rid of that concept in a way but for us it we don't have a nice gathering post golf place that makes sense so this one's on the lower level it's not the you've been in our grill room which is upstairs, and it's fine, and, and it's, a, it's a nice enough space, but this is going to be a more casual stop to have a drink, really. Yep. And so there'll be two full sing, swing simulators. Um, I think we're going to have seating. It's all construction now. So we <laughs> hope we're going to have 
five tables in there um, plus the bar seat. We'll see how that all fits once it's done. Um, we, we're supposed to be done within the next 30 days. We're calling, we say ish now on everything. Um, but they, they, it's funny with construction, if, you, if you've ever been through it, even in your own home, like, you're like, how are we getting to that deadline? And I always have anxiety. I'm like, no way, don't tell anyone anything when it's going to happen. Don't jinx it. Um, so, you know, a week ago I was kind of saying, there's no way. But suddenly I'm like, oh, maybe we're inching towards that Labor Day adjacent timeline. So it's going to be great. You know, part of it is taking the post-golf crowd out of the dining room a little bit so people can go down and behave a little bit more mm-hmm. uncontrolled. That's not the right <laughs> word. Um, boys will be boys and let them go down there and women can be women down there and then have a real a better dining experience separating that those yeah. two crowds. And then we don't do much in the winter and the hope is that now having these simulators we can do some league play. There'll be a bar in there, have some dining options and extend our season more. Mm-hmm. Um, What's unique to us, not unique, what makes us different than a lot of clubs in the area is most of our members don't live super close by. Right. It's a 20-minute drive or so. Um, that's what we think our data shows us. So they have to drive by 35, 40, 600 restaurants um, <laughs> to get here. To get here. Yeah. And so once we lose them, they're not coming back. And then in the winter, if there's no golf, it's a challenge to give them a reason to come back. So we're hoping that with these simulators, and this isn't an ad for full swing, but they're very cool where you can <laughs> play soccer, hockey, baseball. You think you can like... Oh, so there's, it's more oh, than wow. just golf. Yeah. So it's multi-sport. You can that's show cool. movies on them. Um, oh, that's awesome. You know, so we're like, you know, a, a throw, throw something on and then the parents can have dinner. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. I'm saying, I don't know how members are going to use the space until they use the space. Sure. We think we know. Um, and we really purposely haven't really talked about it much with them um, because we want them to create their yeah. own usage for it. Totally. So, and that's another great thing. If, if, if I was at a member-owned club, there would have been countless meetings and plans and opinions. And this was sort of something that we decided the club should have. And it's going to have it and, now. And now we're going to have it, which yeah. is great. And, and it's going to be... I mean, we, our design teams worked really hard on it um, to have kind of the vibe of a British pub. That's, that's the feel. Um, and then there's touches, you know, not just calling it the boot, but there's some local references that we're, we're going to be, let's look with a term, Easter eggs that'll be in the, in the space, too. So. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Easter eggs. When you were at North Andover, you were going through a big renovation, right? Before you yes. left? Um, we finished it before I left. So. How does this compare? <laughs> That was bigger. Yeah. This one, the club goes on and you barely, occasionally there's hammers and, sure. and stuff. At North Andover, we, you know, <laughs> well, it happened perfect because we started that construction project in North Andover February 2020. And then COVID. And then <laughs> time became irrelevant and it <laughs> ended when it ended. And then, but, but the whole club was shut down so it completely for food moved. and beverage for nine months. So that was a very different experience here it just life. I mean, you saw it. life. Life goes on mm-hmm. today, so Absolutely. and you might be able to hear it in the background. <laughs> you could. You, you listener, might be able to tell that there is an act of construction. The site. ambient noise of, <laughs> of Renaissance. Let's let's right. um, for our listeners, just so that you all are aware, we are currently sitting in the ballroom. Um, we <laughs> we tried to find smaller spaces to do this recording, but today is very, as Jeff said, it's a very active day at the club. There's lots of people here. It's a wonderful day outside, um, so we are taking the space that's given to us. And we're there was literally nowhere else to go. He said it, not me. <laughs> but 
if you're wondering why things sound a little different, that might be why. We could have done it in a guest room, but that would have been a, just a completely different vibe. That like, would have been a very different vibe. Very, so very Here we all are laying on a king size bed. <laughs> Slumber party. That's not weird. It's fine. Right. It's okay. Um, what have we not covered? We covered a lot, but we mostly talked about the club, and obviously our goal in coming and doing this in, in person um, was to highlight your club and, and what you do here. Um, but also... I really actually don't do a lot here. Yeah, you don't. I have, he really doesn't do I a lot. I have really cool, smart people that yes. work here, um, and I'm very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. And we're hoping, you know, hopefully we'll be able to share some of those folks with you, um, with our listeners as well. But... Um, Let's hear a little more about you, Jeff, the person. Me. You, Jeff. <laughs> so you've been here since January, and previous to this club, you were in North Andover, and you've been in New England for how long? My whole life, yeah. essentially, with like trips everywhere else. But as right. an as an adult, I was born in 1979. <laughs> um, Five years ago. Um, no, so I've literally. I, I think some of you have heard this story a while back, my origin story in club management. Um, grew up in New England with stints outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and then went to college at UMass Amherst, where I was in the hospitality program. Nope, that's not true. That's a lie. I was in the education <laughs> program first, um, and then I met a girl oh, that lived you. across the hall from me um, who convinced me to join um, the CMAA student chapter because she was in the leadership there and I said yes whatever you tell me to do obviously I shall do that and then she was in my HRT 100 class when I moved to the hospitality school and the rest is sort of history we did not get together <laughs> ever <laughs> but, there but, was nothing that romantic ever happened but she was the catalyst but she, she, <laughs> just between us yeah is she still in the industry she is not in the industry okay, <laughs> Good um, to know. okay well, but she to did know. do a reading at my wedding Okay. So, well, that's, lovely. You know, that's good. Lovely. Things, everything works it out the way it's supposed out. to it work does. out. It does. Um, so that got me into the industry, got me into this, and I went to Atlanta Conference, did not have a resume, I just wanted to go on a trip, and found a gentleman named Chris Coulter who was at a club in New Hampshire, and I said, I want to work for him. So I took an old school floppy disk that my friend had her resume on. <laughs> And I inserted it into the business center at hotels, which I don't think exists anymore, and overwrote my information. I didn't copy her resume, but I overwrote my information on hers, which I was a junior in college. How much information could possibly have been on my resume? Not much. But I left it for him at the front desk. I got hired as intern at Ball Peak and then stayed there for eight years or eight summers. Uh, worked seasonally down in Florida and South Carolina for a while before I became year round. And then moved to the Boston area in my late 20s um, and did various roles at a few different clubs and then eventually landed here. Lovely. So that's the short, long story. The short, long story. <laughs> I like it. On how it worked out. And it's really all I've ever done. I started as a caddy when I was 12 years old. I've never not worked at a club. That's um, wild. I'm 44 now. So what's that, 33, 32 years? Um, it's a long time in clubs. I couldn't imagine not doing this because it's literally all I've known. It'd be like... <laughs> It'd be like learning a new language. Yeah, for sure. What keeps you excited about coming to the club every day? Um, well, coming to the club, I get to listen to the podcast. <laughs> that was not. <laughs> that was not. That was which, not. Which what I it almost called like. again. It's it's Pod Save Club Management. <laughs> um, so um, 
honestly, it, it's it's kind of the same thing that's, that it's always been. It's the people. Yeah. Um, and it's when you're younger, it's the members, it's the members. And it's, it still is. Okay. But it's working with the team that I get to work with every day and hear their successes, their failures, the funniest stuff. Like, we have a blast here. And we all have, you know, we have our gripes and complaints, but we all have a common goal. is like, let's make members happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in a corporate-owned club. Let's make the club money. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. But, but it's really... But the, but, but the members aren't happy. The club's... You're not making any money. Correct. Um, and so it's really... It's, it's always about the, the people. Yeah. Well, and I don't think it's uncouth or anything to say make the club money because right. at the end of the day, these are businesses. Right. And whether it's a corporate-owned club or a member-owned club, you're, you're still a business, so that's still right. a goal. Um, but, yeah, I think it's fantastic that, like, you've been in clubs this long and are still excited about... Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and it's still the, the dumb, mundane things that like, make people, like, you remember someone's birthday and you gave them something. Yeah. Or you know that Mrs. McGillicuddy likes 11 lemons with her drink and only <laughs> six fries, not five, not seven. Okay. And, like, you know, winning over those cranky people and, and surprising people. That's, like, that's what's fun. And, like, here we do the fun, like, one of our corporate mandates, and I hate calling it that, but it's one of the things that we have to do is daily surprises at the pool. And they can be anything. Um, we just have to do them. And so sometimes it's popsicles. Sometimes it's um, like hoodsy cup ice cream, um, which I don't know if that's a New England thing or not. That's a New England okay. thing. I don't know yeah, what that is. So it's, very, it's, it's like a little cup of vanilla ice cream that you eat, have to with eat it wooden, with a wooden, wooden stick. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Familiar. Which, <laughs> yeah, it gives you the chills, right? Out? It's like styrofoam coming yeah, yeah, out of a yeah. box. <laughs> no. Like, that's, nope, I cannot, nope, can't do it. Uh, that ice cream just tastes like the wooden stick thing that you right. eat but, <laughs> but sometimes it's, like, we did jello shots, and I'm using air quotes on a podcast, which really works well. <laughs> um, so they were literally jello. And then we, but we did make some adult ones for the yeah. adults. Um, so just fun things like that. Sometimes we'll have a pop-up water balloon fight. Just little stuff that just happens in a squirt gun fight um, that make it more fun to go to the pool than just, like, here... Go to the Chase pool. some rings, swim. Um, <laughs> Here's a floaty. Exactly. Enjoy. <laughs> well, and what a fun, creative opportunity for your team to keep coming up right. with. What is that? Because you, you know, you don't want to make it, you know, predictable, right? Or like gross. every right. Tuesday yeah. we do tacos. Exactly. Although we do have Taco Tuesday here. I do here. love Taco Tuesday. Which, <laughs> Jeff was really excited about us being here for Taco Tuesday, and then we realized weren't, it we weren't coming on Tuesday. So I think that, again, that's why I kept thinking you were coming. <laughs> Even in my my home calendar, I like changed it like two days ago. It's not Tuesday. <laughs> and you're lucky my wife has met you guys and likes you guys. Because <laughs> she was like. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm like, but it's Kaya Melissa. You like that. Right. <laughs> we like you too. Jeff's Rebecca. wife is the best. It's true. So you know. She is. I'm very lucky to have her. <laughs> no, she is fantastic. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your experience as a student member um, because, you know, we, we're constantly in a place where we're trying to make sure that what we're offering students is not just good, but like worthwhile, right? And I think we're always kind of evaluating that. Um, and I think it, it's really, um, it, it makes me feel good when we hear from our professional members who used to be student members about their experience and why that, that experience mattered to them and why it helped keep them in this industry um 
because I think that that can help inform how we continue to evolve and move forward. Because while maybe the specifics of what we're offering students change, it's that overall feeling that we still want to capture and create for the next generation of you know club leaders. Um, so. You, what year of school did you join this, the student chapter? My, I believe it was my junior year. Okay. It may have been sophomore year, but I think it was my junior year. And so you went to UMass Amherst. Was Dr. Warnick your Absolutely. advisor? Yeah. Uncle Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Big shout outs to uh, Dr. Warnick, who's been at UMass Amherst for... Forever. Ever. And he's, he's the absolute best. Like, I think, and that's so important for, like, our student chapters to have strong... Mm-hmm faculty that yes. understand it and and he you know he i think he ended up we should talk to him on the podcast we should um, talk to him on the podcast absolutely i think he probably ended up running the club management course by accident <laughs> and um see okay that's... listeners that's our background noise so apologies for this silverware it's okay we're we are in a working we are in club. a working club no you're fine it's um, fine <laughs> um but like they drive the bus, like, and, mm-hmm. and they're like, I put him in iconic status because I've known Rod forever. Like when I got my CCM, mm-hmm. that was when like the review course and the exam were overlapping with conference, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so we were in Anaheim, and like, I took my exam, thought I failed, like so many people do. Yes. Um, not that they fail, people who think they failed. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Walked out of there, and then the next day I got my results, and I passed. And then I went and tried to go home, <laughs> and no. there was a massive snowstorm. Of course, and could not get home, as mm-hmm. happens to mm-hmm. a lot of people at conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went where most people go to when they're on a delay for multiple days. I went to the bar, <laughs> and the finally the the the, reshut, the 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 trip out happens, and Rod Warnick is on the shuttle with me. Finds me because I was not paying attention. Of course, and picked me up. I was not inebriated, but carried me. <laughs> Um, went to the, he's like, I know where to find him because the shuttle was out in front of the hotel. Went in, grabbed me, grabbed my suitcase, like, get in. And then he said, by the way, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Aww. So that's like, and like, I invited Rod to my wedding. Like, he's, yeah, he's Rod. He's, he's the Rod. absolute best. And there's so many, like, Kathy Gusterson, who just retired at, mm-hmm. at South Carolina, is amazing. Um, Matt Samuel at Johnson Wales is amazing. There's so many good faculty members. And that's like a fear of a lot of us is like, as people retire, um, who's going to come up and replace them? Yeah, because we have to. We need to identify those people and nurture them and love them. And there's probably a million other. I'm no, you're doing East Coast bias here, <laughs> but there's probably a million other faculty advisors that are doing great jobs too. But no, that's absolutely correct. And I think you know, like, I've had conversations um, to that effect in you know among our internal team too about how crucial that faculty advisor role is to our the success of our student program broadly because. You know, the the faculty advisors are the most consistent thing year to year at our schools. Um, Obviously, you know, if we have great student leadership, that's wonderful. And we want that. But eventually those kids are going to graduate. And that faculty advisor is the one that's going to be there. Um, And so having people like Dr. Warnick or Matt Samuel or, you know, Dick Bruner or Phil McGurk, who was at UW Stout for years and years and years, all of those people help create a space for CMAA, for club management at their schools. And when we lose that, we're losing institutional knowledge and we're losing that continuity. And so, 
you know, I think it's a huge, huge priority for us as an organization to be working with those faculty advisors and especially those newer ones that are coming on board to get them up to speed so they can become the next rod, right? right? right. Like we want that, but it's and, hard. Right. And I think all of us from a, from a national board perspective take that very seriously and, and not just a, you know, even the students themselves. Like, how do we get more students involved in our association? How do we get them to get these awesome scholarships that we have mm -hmm. and then stay and work and grow and develop in, in our industry? And that's, you know, we're, we're making big strides with that. Like the um, verified internship program, I think, is, is great. Um, like that's been talked about forever. And shout out like to Margo. Um, who, <laughs> yes. Who's Huge. amazing and, and helped get that over the goal line. Yes. Um, and Joe Cran and everyone else who worked on that. Absolutely. Um, but like that's going to be a, a potential game changer, um, I think, for, for us. And then, you know, people having realizations like that club management students aren't necessarily hospitality students. Right. And where can we get them from the marketing department? Because everyone has a club marketing department now. Why not go to the marketing schools? Why Correct. not go to the school of communications? Correct. Because communications are so huge. And He's where pandering we, right now. I am. Where <laughs> can we find those type of people? And then maybe they turn out, you know, maybe I do want to work in the food and beverage department. But they can be everywhere. Absolutely. And, and keeping them, you know, it's really just showing them, like, hey, this club exists. Because if you don't know what a private club is, you might have or have a... If you have a stereotypical right, understanding yeah, of word. it, right. which I think is what a lot of folks run into, especially if you don't grow up around clubs, if you didn't work in a club like caddying or right. as a lifeguard or as a server when you're young and you're, you're not really aware of clubs, you probably have a, you know, a stereotypical understanding of what clubs are. Um, and that can be a hurdle for us to get over because I would say that on the whole, the stereotype of clubs is not necessarily a positive one, right? I mean, Although it, we will look for your gopher later. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like getting, getting kids from all areas of study interested or even just aware of this as a job opportunity is a huge Right. huge part of what we're working on and that's like I, I talked about it at a conference last year and i continue to talk about it is like what we're doing with our hbcus mm -hmm. like and, and we're starting to see strides in that a little bit um i know like norfolk state is 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 really engaged um, with country club of virginia and phil keister there awesome. um and we're starting to make progress that like it's like an untapped resource and i don't want to think not people as a commodity but like there's hospitality programs in these colleges that aren't being exposed to the club industry, and that's like leaving money on a table playing poker. Like these, they're intelligent students who end up in other, primarily food and beverage businesses. That would be a, an amazing resource for us. Now they're probably predominantly southern schools, but guess what? There's a lot of clubs in the south, a lot, um, there and are. they're big, and, they and, big. We, and they need staff. So we should like bang on the doors at places like Norfolk State, and Jackson State, and um, Alcorn State, and all those places, and like, mm -hmm. what can we do to get just our brand there, right? You know, and, and turning over one student can be is a, how it can be, how it can start. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and I think too, you know, like we've in our student development program, we've seen kind of an attrition in, of sorts from you know we had so many student chapters, and over the last I don't know, well, we can say COVID is probably a huge piece of this. Um, but we've definitely seen decreasing numbers of student members and opening our, casting a wider net could certainly help 
buoy our numbers, but more importantly, it's, it's not about like checking a box and making sure we have you know, so many people. It's more about what you were talking about, like exposing people to right. this opportunity and showing them that this is a place that for you, you can be here um, and you can be successful here and right. you can probably be happy, happier here than you would be maybe in a hotel or in a restaurant where you're right. maybe jumping jobs every couple of years. Which? And that's and, and that's the, you know it's the stigma mm-hmm. um, where like you know we're a bunch of old white people right like, and, and that's not that's never been who our workforce has been correct um, and it's that definitely not who's going to be but like how do we, you know our management groups in our association needs to be reflective of the culture and and get people culture of the times not culture of the the world that's a different political conversation. <laughs> um, but you know we need to have more people of color more people who are in the LGBTQ community like all of that needs to be welcomed and I'm not saying it isn't but could we do a better job allowing yes that type of yeah well I mean it should we should be a cross section of society and right sure. now that's the better word thank yeah. you that's yeah. why you communicate for me <laughs> and I run a club so. <laughs> I, I think that exposure portion is so important mm-hmm. not just for the student but for the mid-management professionals yes. who are choosing you know, we've, we've talked a lot post-COVID of people choosing out of hotels where there's just been a loss of opportunity, right? Um, and there's a lot of the industries that have not rebounded in the same way that clubs did. So, you know, when I when we visit clubs and we talk to people, and obviously you're a newer club, but when we go to clubs, there's always folks that have been there 20 plus years. There's always people that have been frontline, you know, server or bartender for 40 years, 50 sure. years. And it's just, you know, it speaks so much to the culture of the individual staff organization right. um, it, I mean but even here as a new as a quote unquote new club we have people who have been here 16 18 years yeah. that, that work here and in, in various departments and right. just love it right and, and know and those are the best people to know because they know like where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> they know every story. Wait, wait, wait. You said something was buried. And I believe during a call that we had about this podcast, you mentioned something about something else potentially being buried here. There is a story. <laughs> There's a lot of stories here. Um, you know, we were kind of an old gravel sand pit junkyard waste area. Because um, Massachusetts, because as you do. Because of where we are located in the state. <laughs> um, but we had, you know, we had an old New England ski hill that had like a, to- um, like a rope tow mm-hmm. called Thunder Hill. Um, that's on the, on the opposite side of our golf course. Um, we had some of the earth that they moved here to build the golf course helped um, a runway expansion at Logan Airport. Um, and also, at one time, allegedly, <laughs> there, there was an opportunity that anyone could bury whatever they wanted here, no questions asked. There are absolutely and, bodies here, for sure. And one of the stories was that someone hid a bag of money, potentially a lot of money, and it's buried out on the golf course. So, Melissa and I are actually <laughs> going to go on a little treasure hunt later. You know, Just I'm, I'm kind of skeptical because, you know, I bet your superintendent would have found it by now if it was out there. Yeah, and, it, and right, because he would much rather find the bag of money than have to patch the irrigation system right. nightly. Like, like, well, wait, weren't you saying your director of facilities knows all the things? Maybe he knows where it is. He's the one who told me that story. Okay. So, he's very, yeah, he could later. be the one. He might and, be and, and, well, the interesting he thing know. is, my director of facilities and my director of grounds are the two smartest people in the world. 
and they both know that story better than anybody else. So there could be, there could there's be colluding could, happening. Could be I do think perhaps collusion is afoot. Yes. That, that does sound like it is possible. Um, anyways, that was a detour, but I thought it was funny. So going, going back to what we were talking about before, um, to your point, Melissa, about like long-tenured employees, but you were saying like even here at a newer club, you still do have some of those long-tenured employees relative to how long the club's been open. Right. And, and Roland, who we were just talking about, mm-hmm. actually was here for a while, left and came back. to another club and came back because he missed us. Oh, no. see? But that speak, you know, it speaks to the way that Southworth, as a company, takes care of their employees. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and that we, Renaissance, as our piece of Southworth, also you know, cultivate an environment, I hope, that makes it you know, welcoming and you want to stay here for a very long time. Absolutely. Well, and I think it speaks to the stability of the industry, too. We talk a lot you know, about our economic impact, but we, you know, these, most of these businesses have been around you know, hundreds of years, and they're stable entities and parts of their community and um, obviously stable workplaces. So yep. you know, I think that, that offers something that if you know, in the volatility of our economy that we've experienced really over the last 20 years, not, not just related sure. to COVID, you know, clubs have been a stable place mm-hmm. to uh, it, start a career. COVID um, um, in the golf industry, unlike restaurants and hotels, it proved how necessary clubs are. Yes. And everywhere, like we took in, I think, 80 new members. There's been some churn um, since 2000 um, because people realized, like, golf is safe. It's outdoors. Um, it's physical activity. There's, there's a lot it's of social. great things. It's, it's social. Yeah. And more and more people, and I only have like 10 more minutes I can say this, um, people <laughs> my age are joining clubs when that used to be like an older demographic yes. because younger people are looking for an outlet where they can meet people because we don't meet people the usual ways anymore. Yep. So, you know, when you're behind your computer at work all the time, now you have an opportunity to go and connect your children with other kids and meet right. those parents. And hopefully they're good parents that your kids become friends with. Um, and then you have lifelong friends and from the club side. We hope you meet them at the club. So now you all have to stay here. Yeah. And because I can't imagine not being at the club and missing out on, on, on whatever anything. what everyone else is doing. Right. Um, yeah, it's a community within a community. Right, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and those folks really looking for that experience where, you know, everybody knows your name. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's this, it's this the same idea as, like, having a regular bar that you mm-hmm. used to go to or a regular restaurant or even a regular coffee shop that you go to where you walk in and somebody knows your name and knows what you usually get. It's the same idea here. That's why you go there. Like, I've, yeah. like back when I was single and was, would go and, like, eat by myself. Like, I would go to the places. The food might not have been great, but, like, they knew who I was. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly and you just, you feel comfortable right. there. And you feel welcome. Right. Yep. And it's, you know, that's the same type of environment, you know, we want to create in clubs. And I think it's true for creating that environment for members. But on the flip side, creating that same environment for your staff team as well, where they feel this is their space and they can be here. And, right. Yeah. yeah and, and I love, and I'm not, again, none of my ideas are original. So, like, <laughs> You know, having letting everyone be their own individual self is super important. Like, and that's a learned skill for me because yeah. I, I grew up in a way that was like, this is how you're supposed to behave. This is how you're supposed to speak. This is when you wait your turn, and that's not how children or children learn. Because I had two young kids or adults, they don't want to do that anymore. They want to figure it out on their own and be their own person. And and that's how I feel like I should let my staff do, and mm-hmm. and they all get to kind of do their own thing, um, and then I just at the end of the day, can be there for support and offer suggestions. 
Um, but that's important to me to like let's be yourself because it's boring if everything's vanilla, right? Agreed. Agreed. Well, and I think that that kind of goes to what we've talked about on the podcast a lot within the last couple of years, and and you know we've touched on culture and workplace dynamics and burnout and all of these different aspects, which I think are just different facets of the uh, same conversation, right? But you know, like allowing people to show up to work as their whole selves usually makes for a more enjoyable work environment for them but for everyone else when you feel like you can be your entire person in your job not just not you don't have to turn off something about yourself that you are at home um and you can show up to work and the things that are going on in your life outside of work are just as important to the people that you're with as the stuff that's happening when you're at at work and I think that that's you know the more we can create that kind of environment you know the less turnover we'll have the better like mental health we'll have in the workplace just knowing that you're cared about as a human um, not just for what you produce or what you accomplish in the eight hours that you're working or in the however many hours you're working um, I think that goes a long way in in kind of combating a lot of what we've seen in the last couple of years where you've had quiet quitting or you've had a lot of burnout post-COVID where people are just like, I've reevaluated what is important to me in work and this isn't it. Right. You know, (laughs) like there's been a lot of that, I think. But being able to be honest about that is is really important. And to go back a little bit about being your true self and sharing who you are, Mm -hmm. like... I was at the Carolinas chapter for their summer conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers talked about the important of being, importance of being vulnerable as a leader yes. um, in front of your employees, even to, um, you know, a standpoint, she used the reference, kind of like how the work wife was a thing, yes. and it, had a, it kind of tended to have a, a negative connotation, but she was viewing it through a sort of a positive lens. It's like, you need, you spend more time at work, oftentimes in you do with your family or your friends um, more often than not um, and then so being able to say look this is happening at home and that's why I'm acting like this so it's important that you recognize that mm-hmm. and then that other people around you understand that because yeah. if you're walled off you're going to be walled off everywhere absolutely um, because then that'll flip side when you're angry at work and I'm guilty of this when I go home yep. I don't want to talk like how is work yeah. it's always fine it's never been great it's never been bad <laughs> it's, it's fine. fine I don't feel like getting you into know. it right now yeah <laughs> well and I think that <laughs> that that really kind of captures a lot of like that idea of you know when you're walled off in one way you're kind of walled off in every way but like that being being able to be vulnerable is really hard but when you feel safe and you feel like your whole self is like accepted where you are it's a lot easier to be vulnerable um but because when we're vulnerable with each other you know it's a lot easier to accept certain things about how you're interacting with that individual or how they're how they're working or getting something done or not getting something done if something slips and like melissa asked me you know like oh you forgot this thing what's going on and i could say well I was distracted because I'm dealing with this other thing at home or whatever. That's so, that conversation is so much easier to have than you made a mistake and now you're in trouble because I didn't want to tell you about what's going on. You know, it's just, we had a department head meeting 
as we do every week, but uh, a few weeks ago, and at the end, I usually kind of share my calendar, like, especially, like, if I'm going to be gone for the club for a couple days in a row, and mm-hmm. I was traveling to South Carolina, North Carolina, um, and in that, I took the time, because I've been dealing with some personal stuff with some sick family members, um, and I have not been as present in the club as I want, because I've been sure. helping take care of this person, and one of the promises, because we make promises to each other as part of our leadership meetings, um, certainly in the off-season, was that I was going to be around, and I was going to be present, and I wasn't a nine-to-five manager, <laughs> and then suddenly I was doing everything but being present, present for them, and, and I apologized for that, and they all kind of knew, but I said, look, I feel bad, um, because I told you I would do this, but I need to take care of yeah. this family member, and I also need to take care of, or not take care of, I need to be there to support my wife and sure. my kids, and... And they all kind of looked at me like, you don't need to say that. We know. I'm like, but I need you but to I, understand that I know. But I do. Need. <laughs> I <laughs> and it was do. important. And, and I think I think that resonated. Like, okay, appreciate that. And, you know, and hopefully, and it does, um, it allows them to feel comfortable. Come to me and say, this is what's going on with me. I need to step away or yeah. I need something different than what I'm getting. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and I think, I think that, that ability is something that, you know, we, we all should work on cultivating in our own work relationships because, like, we, we all have lives outside of <laughs> the four walls. What? I know, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. But we're all, like, we're all humans, and, like, that's a very human thing, right? You're like, I'm dealing with this other thing, and it's really hard and stressful. I'm really sorry I haven't been more present. Yeah, okay, man. Right. It's all good. And, and I, I get look, it. Like, my bosses were, like, always ask, like, how is this family member doing? You know, family first, whatever you need. But like, yeah. there's always that voice. At least me, the way I was raised in club management was the voice in the back of your head. I'm not there. I'm getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is something we probably are trying. Maybe not move away from, but that idea. Because I think, kind of pivoting back to what we were talking about before, with like the students and getting folks back into this industry or wanting to be part of this industry and the understanding of things as being somewhat stereotypical. I think the other stereotype that people have of clubs this is probably more true than not but is that it's a lot of long hours and what you just said right like yeah. if i'm not there I'm, i could be toast yeah and i would say i don't work in clubs so maybe correct me if i'm wrong but i would say we're hopefully moving away from that idea we definitely are yeah, yeah. and that's great because you know nobody wants to work in that environment yeah. nobody wants that but i think everyone knows now yeah. You are not productive when you fit hours 60. No, no. And, and for the most part, there are, there are times you need to be there. Yes. 40 hours, 50 hours. Um, and what I've found, sometimes I was here for 50 hours. I didn't need to be. Right. Um, a lot of scrolling that was happening on my phone <laughs> when I could have been more productive and got out of there and been there 42 hours that week. And, and you know, I think if you're hitting 60, there's something wrong with your operation. <laughs> that's <laughs> just a lot of time. That is a Again, lot of time. Exceptions to everything, but, um, you know, and certainly you're going to have your staff for 60 hours. Who's productive at that point? Right. Right. Well, I think that, that that's just like a, a, a wider conversation to have about, like, general productivity but also like happiness again and again who wants that right and we're moving away from that in in a in a very large yeah like i i mean when i was young there was (laughs) like you didn't take time off in the summer now if and i hear that just among my peers people are taking it might not be a week-long vacation right but it might be 
a, a long weekend here or there. You're getting away from your club. Because the realization is the world and the club does not revolve around you. No. And if you're not there, no one's going to die. Because at the end of the day, we're serving food, not saving lives, right? We're not... <laughs> we don't need to be there every hour of the day. The club will function. Yep. Um, and guilty all the time of, of feeling like, I need to be here. What are you doing? I don't know, but I need to be here. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. What? I don't like, know. If, I would think, if a pipe breaks, I can't fix it. Um, but I'll I, be here. And I don't really cook, but I can watch the kitchen go down in flames and try to help. Right. Um, but... You know, it's it letting go yeah. is, is important for, for everybody. And that's, you know, the bigger picture is our industry isn't like that anymore, where you've got to be there morning, noon, and night. Um, Chris Coulter, who I talked about at the beginning of this, literally, if I showed up to work at 10, 10 30 to start like the lunch shift, he'd be in the kitchen saying, Good afternoon. <laughs> and that is burned into my soul. Of course. And I'm like, Well, I left at 10 o'clock last night, you left at 5 30. Um, Thanks. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> and by the way, he apologizes to me all the time when I talk about stuff at the club. And it's like, I'm so sorry for the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you're the way that you are. <laughs> He's like, I did this to you. <laughs> I created this monster. You're like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He's not listening to that. <laughs> Probably not. But if you are. That was all, Jeff. That was not us. <laughs> I'll tell him that tonight when I drive. <laughs> there you go. Exactly, Melissa. Do you have another any other questions for Jeff that we haven't? We've covered a lot of ground. We've covered so much ground. You have anything that you want to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? Well, can, can I do like the coming up, the coming events part with you guys? Sure, sure. absolutely. So we have a very busy schedule here at CMA coming up. He's making fun of us because we always say that. We do. Because it's always true. The fall season's very busy here at headquarters. <laughs> Coming up is LLC. Yeah. Um, in just a few days. I don't know when this is going uh, out. Soon. Uh, soon. Coming soon. Very short. And if you haven't been to LLC and you aren't even a chapter leader and you think it's for chapter leaders, it's not necessarily. Um, every three years, it goes, I'm trying to think of all the things you always say. It goes down the road. This year... It is in San Antonio after two years plus in D.C. Correct. We haven't been on the road for LLC in a while. And it's literally the best conference CMA does, I think. World Conference is fun. Everyone should go to it. I'll be there in Las Vegas. But also, and LLC is the best. It is the best. Um, it's intimate. There's usually 150 people tops. Um, it's two and a half days. So it's jam-packed education good networking and you're in and you're out so you can fly there's a lot of direct flights into san antonio Mm -hmm. um so you can go in and out and be back at your club because fall season as we know is twice the business half the staff but there's (laughs) enough time it's a sunday monday tuesday ish very close it's a monday tuesday Um, okay but so the beginning of the week generally a quiet time for clubs so plenty of time to go away it's the absolute best thing to do so if you're not signed up for llc do that. What else do we have? We have a club governance summit coming up. We do. We do. Dang, you're good. good. The club governance summit is coming up at Chevy Chase Club at the beginning of September. So right after Labor Day, it's perfect time. It's September 6th. So great activity. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Chef Summit coming up, which we is probably do. sold out. It is completely sold out and on a wait list. But um, if you're still interested, get on the wait list. Give us a call. And if you like out. something like that but might want 
a different opportunity other than a wait list, you could go to the October... EMI Wine and Food. Wine and Food, which is coming back to the schedule after yes. a couple of years. Yes. And it is somewhere fun and amazing. Sonoma, Sonoma. Yes. Sonoma so County. yes, somewhere so fun and amazing. Amazing. Um, you know, hitting all those little, um, a lot of local in, you know, influence. And Karen McNeil is the headliner for that. So if you are a reader of the Wine Bible, you get the opportunity to see her. <laughs> Find out how to augment your club's wine and beer program. That's true. What else? Awesome. Do you got what anything else, else? And then there's probably a student conference coming after yeah, that. Yeah, there is. Yes. We are we are hard at work on the National Student Education Conference for this year. Uh, we will have dates for... Actually, you know what? I, I think I can give a save the date, but November. Yeah, it's November. in November. You can save your Join calendars. That's coming up in a couple months, and we are hard at work on planning that event, and we're really excited because we will be heading to Florida for that. But stay tuned for more specific details in the coming weeks. And then I think the only other thing we want to announce and cover, Melissa, is the Club Executive of the Year nominations. Yes, those are due at the end of September, September 25th. It's a Monday, so uh, check out that information on the awards tab on the CMAA homepage. Uh, it is a nomination process with several ref- uh, recommendation letters that are required. So check out those criteria. Mm-hmm. We're looking at mentoring. We're looking at uh, club executives who are fostering a great workplace um, with ongoing professional development for their team and that are involved in sustaining their local CMA chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got three letters. And some other information. So don't, don't wait till the 24th to put if, that package together. If you know someone who you would like to recognize for the Club Executive of the Year, you can head to our website and find all of the nomination criteria online. And if you have any questions, you can contact uh, Melissa because she's the keeper of that program. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and that program is full is uh, judged by club management professionals. Yes. Uh, so we have a committee that is formed every year uh, so we appreciate our judges and their hard work on that program absolutely it's truly chosen by your peers so that's that's all i got to say and on that. more importantly from a business standpoint renewals went out today. oh, oh <laughs> exactly so if you have received your renewal for your cma membership we obviously encourage you to yep. pay that as soon as possible preferably before october 31st yep. But those should be hitting your mailboxes very soon, and you will get a digital copy as well. So you can pay however you prefer. There really is a lot going on. I told you. There really is a lot going on. We're very busy. Always. Always. There's no quiet time for us, but that's okay. We like it. That's what we like to do. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. more importantly, we're maybe getting a lobster roll tonight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Maybe chowda. Chowda. Yes. This, uh, for our listeners, this is my first time in Massachusetts, so I'm expecting um, kind of a lot from this lobster. A lot of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I and have that. Sam at home. Adams. I don't know. I like uh, Sam Adams is fine. <laughs> but I could go for a lobster roll for sure. For sure. But thank you so much for inviting us up here and sharing your club with us and also just for being such a good, wonderful podcast fan, fan. and supporter. Um, we really enjoy putting this together and the fact that we've now made a hundred of these is pretty incredible, uh, especially since this started, <laughs> this started as a crazy idea that we both had and we're like, podcasts, we like podcasts. We can do that. 
um, and it's turned into something pretty fun. So, what about yeah. video coming soon? Uh, coming soon, maybe. maybe. <laughs> but then people have to look at my my face all the time. I'm sorry for everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right, I think that covers us for now. But uh, thank you again, Jeff. Thank you. We appreciate you. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org org.